Hello everybody, this is Sequence Break, episode 16, ROM Hacks with GlitchCat7. And here he is, GlitchCat7. Howdy. Howdy, thanks, How's man. How's it going, everybody? <laughs> well, man, thank you so much for doing this, man. I appreciate it a lot. Uh, oh, no, I'm, I'm really excited. I love doing stuff like this. This is great, man. So um, if you were to, t if people were to ask you, hey, what is your involvement with the Mario community or the speedrunning community? What would you tell people if they were to ask you kind of like what you do? <laughs> Um, well, I'm a I'm a streamer. Uh, I I play ROM hacks. I make ROM hacks. I'm also heavily involved in community organization for a lot of events. Uh, I help and uh, participate with MMC, and we do ROM hack races on our own channel. That's a weekly uh, thing that has we're adding more content to that. So I kind of like I run my own channel, and I'm a partner on that. And then I also help out with some other events and stuff. And I've ran at uh, GDQ in the past. That's awesome. That's one of the things we're going to get to. Um, one of the things I'm really impressed by what you do is everything you've done for our the community, the speedrunning community, the Mario community, and all these different things. And we'll get there uh, because it's really impressive. And just it's I, I don't I think the community is so much better because you're a part of it. So <laughs> so that being said, uh, when was like when did you first get started with video games? It's like your what's your origin story? Oh man. Okay. Look, I know this sounds like like I like I wrote this ahead of time and like I. <laughs> I've had some time to think about it, but honestly, this is it. When I was a little kid, like a really little kid, uh, my parents worked at the mall and my mom uh, worked at the candy store, which how cool is that, right? You know, that's awesome. And so we didn't have a lot of money for babysitters at the time. And so they would take me to work with them at the mall and they would leave me at the arcade for a while and let me play the machines that were there. So here's like little tiny kid me standing on a milk crate to see over the controls to try to play. And um, yeah, that was it. I was just hooked like immediately. It was just like, oh, is that a video game machine? I, we'd like go places and I'd see some other sort of machine and like get really disappointed that it wasn't a video game. Like I was hooked like immediately like as a kid. That's so interesting that you, the arcade is your first experience, not necessarily the home console or something that was brought back home. Do you remember some of the early what's some of the early games that kind of hooked you into, into gaming? Um, there was uh, Tumble Pop was the first one I played. Not a lot of people. No, do you remember? Do you know no, that? I've never heard of it. It's um. It's kind of like it's it's uh have you ever played Snow Brothers? Yeah, I actually have played, yeah, definitely remember that. It's very, it's similar to Snow Brothers. Uh you're a little dude with a little vacuum backpack and you suck up monsters and spit them back out kind of like Kirby, really? Yeah. Um and you go around the world and clear stages and stuff and um I've actually never even seen a machine of that like since I got older. It, it's really weird, but they had one at the mall. I played that and I played Miss Pac-Man and Galaga. Those were, and that was just like what was available. Uh, they had, uh, I remember playing um, uh, Bust a Move with the little, uh, the the little dragons from Bubble Bobble, and you line up the the bubbles like Puzzle Puzzle Bobble, I think it's called, uh, and Doctor Mario too. They had that at the arcade. Uh, you know, I think I started, I can't remember when I found your stream. It might've been 2000, probably around 17 or 18, but I, now, it, you know, you destroy video games. Like you just take them apart. Did you have that approach to gaming when you were a kid or is that something you've kind of developed over time? Yeah. You I, did. <laughs> I always, I, I always wanted to be really, really good. I, I don't, and I don't, I don't want to toot my own horn, no, no. Be, but just like I was some kids really got into bug collecting or right. some other hobby. And like, I got into video games and that was just it. I just really wanted to know all the secrets, find all the secret exits, be just really good. And it wasn't really, it was funny because it wasn't even really to impress my friends or anything. <laughs> it was just, it was just to do it. Like we didn't like, I, I, I can't like tell you the story of how all us kids would get together and I wanted to be like top kid on the block. That's like not even true. It was right. just me. Like, <laughs> just sitting there. But uh, yeah, that was just, I just loved it. It was, I think, I mean, I was kind of a weird kid and it, I almost feel like it was 
it was like a world that I could understand. I could control it. I could get better. And it, it made sense to me, right? When a lot of other things didn't. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, I, it, it spoke your language. I totally get that, man. I yeah. think I think a lot of us have that. Maybe I, I don't want to speak for everyone else, but I know I had that connection with games. It, my, for me, Super Mario Brothers 3 was my game. And this playing that, it felt like, I don't know, I just, it, it, it sucks in your, it's like your whole world becomes about trying to play that game, trying to beat that game, that whole thing. So I, I totally yeah. dig that. When did you, uh, when was like your first Mario experience and what game was it? Um, if you it, it was Mario. Yeah, it would have been Mario World. Okay. Um, I got. I think it was 1992. So I've been telling people 1991 <laughs> because I don't remember it. It was either 91 or 92, and I got uh, Super Nintendo and Mario World uh, for Christmas that year, and I oh, was nice. four. And um, that you know that was it was really funny because my, my dad didn't know how to hook it up. <laughs> and so, like there we are on Christmas morning, like we're all sitting around the TV and we plugged it all in and dad did all the things and he read all the papers and we turn it on and nothing happens. Oh no. And we, okay, we do some more stuff and he flips some more switches and we turn it on, nothing. Oh, and no. then finally like we turn it and the Nintendo yeah. logo comes up and I think my whole family like collectively pog champed. It was really funny. <laughs> You'd wonder, like, how could you screw up playing any Nintendo? But I don't know if you guys had RF or whatever the connection might be. Was, but there are things you can screw up. So. Yeah, right. It could have been anything. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Um, so when okay, I, I got to imagine then. So you're you're first playing through Super Mario World. You want to beat everything in it. I'm assuming. Yeah, but honestly, I mean, I was I was kind of young, so it was really like oh, yeah, almost more of a space. Yeah. I just wanted because I had I had an Atari before that. My oh, cool. dad had got one because he was kind of a gamer computer guy too. So he he wanted to play Atari, and uh, it was like I wanted to beat the levels, yeah. But it was like being good at it was just I wanted to explore the space, yeah. Totally. And I wanted you know I want to be able to find all the secrets and jump around and like I didn't think of it so much. Just like looking back on how I thought of it as a kid, like I didn't think of it so much as like this is a system of obstacles and you go from A to B and you go down the line. It was just, here's a world I can run around in it. I can find treasures and do stuff. And it doesn't matter. It was almost more like Minecraft. How yeah. Like totally. Minecraft the sandbox. You enjoyed the yeah, sandbox. Like yes. Mario world felt like that to yeah, me. Donkey cool. Kong country felt like that to me. It didn't, I don't know. I didn't take it like a, like a linear thing. No, I'm right there with you. And I think that's kind of the interesting thing about Mario World. It, as much as it's it's not that much different than Mario 3, as far as the world itself, it felt like you were able to explore places that you just, the, the Nintendo Marios just didn't offer at the time. I was, yeah. so by 92, let's see, I was probably already 10 or 11 years old. So it was like, you know, I'd already had those experiences. I try to imagine it if, if I didn't have those experiences, but how cool that this whole thing just kind of opens up for a kid to play it, you know? Yeah, it was. I, I think if I would have been born a little bit earlier, it might really have been um, Zelda. Oh, I right, really right. would have been like Zelda one um, because I just love all the secrets, the oh, hidden yeah. paths in Mario World. You can go and find the secret key. <laughs> and like as a kid, I mean, like Mario World took me years to beat. Like I don't remember the first time I beat it. It was a long time yeah. to find you know all the stuff. We even had we had the strategy guide and stuff, <laughs> and just you know the the secrets and the world building of it. And I think I just kind of picked up on whatever whatever was available to me at the time, you know, that's just where I happened to be born. No, no, I think that's really cool. I think that's, that seems, that makes a lot of sense, especially your age, but I try to think of it. I, I, yeah, no way I'd be able to beat that game as a four-year-old. So, What, if, um, you being a little bit older, do you remember Pitfall 2? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. On Atari. Yeah. 
That's my that was my gym. Before Super Mario World, there was Pitfall Two. The sequel. Because my dad wow, okay. had that. He got it for Atari. Nice. And uh, that was like my first exposure to like home consoles was Atari. Actually, the Pitfall and, games, I, both one and two, got ported to a bunch of other ones. So I didn't have Atari, but we had Vic Twenty, which had Pitfall on it. So it was like that yeah. was like the game, you know? <laughs> yeah, there were all kinds of ports of it. But just like how you remember, like it's such a big world, right? And there's no like levels. You're just running around in it, mm-hmm. and you can find different passageways and ladders and stuff, and the little red X's for checkpoints, like. I love that. That was just, I don't want anything from this game. I just want to be here and run around. It's, it's cool enough. Uh, that's so cool. Um, I, you know, you, I, one of the things I, I, I know you, you've actually, you, on your stream, you do talk about collecting and things like that. Did, was collecting, did that just become a part as you were growing up or was that later on? How, how did you become a collector at the same time you were playing all these games? I just wanted to get more games. Cool. As, as I grow up and get, you know, get my own money. Sure. Uh, yeah. and, and, uh, you know, I remember um, I think it was Paper Mario for N64 mm-hmm. was the first game I bought, like with my own money that I, I had. And I went to the store on launch day and I got it. Um, but, you know, it, it just kind of started where because like as I grew up, a lot of the, the Super Nintendo games kind of dropped off mm-hmm. and you started to see them a lot in flea markets right. and Goodwills and stuff. So I could, hey, wow, I could get 20 games for 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. And so I got a ton of them. Uh, a lot of my collection was actually picked up. I'd say like 70 percent of it was picked up back when. It didn't matter, you know. It wasn't as hard to find everything. I'm so jealous. Uh, I've, I've had this stuff for a long time. I've just, you know, a lot of people like kind of got into it and got rid of it, or oh, I had to sell all my stuff or I lost it, and right. I didn't. I just kind of hung on to it. I wish I would have had the foresight. <laughs> I, wish, I feel so sad when people tell me because I stream, you know, I talk to people on stream yeah. about it. Oh yeah, I had like little Samson and I traded it to my buddy in school. I'm like, why would you know? <laughs> it's so sad. It always makes me sad. But then on the other hand, it's cool to tell people like, hey, that game that you just had sitting around at your parents' house is like, yeah, that's worth like 500 bucks. So <laughs> it's been a weird road with collecting, man. It's been weird. Bandager, I am old enough to have bought those dirt cheap carts and I, I missed the opportunity. So, <laughs> um, you know, one of the things I, I, I uh, even back then, like a Nintendo 64 game must have been like 50 or 60 bucks on launch day. I can't remember the exact price, but it wasn't cheap, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, they've always been kind of 60 bucks right. for a new, it's like the same, new game. That price whatever. hasn't changed much. Yeah. So when do you, so, okay, as you're playing through all these games, when do you, is, is it, what comes first? Is it streaming or is it deciding to try to create your own thing? Like, what, how does it work? How do you become a Mario creator, if you don't mind me asking? Um. Well, I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's been a long journey. <laughs> um, I, you know, it's, it's something I did a, a ton as a kid. And, you know, I had other interests and hobbies and I did music and tried out all these other things. But gaming was just kind of always there. I always played it. I honestly can say that I don't think I've really gone more than a couple months in my life without playing Mario World. Like, even if I was doing other things at the time or wasn't focused on that, um, I got involved with Twin Galaxies, actually, Mm -hmm. back in 2010. And I've since severed ties with that organization. I really, but it was it know. was what was available at the time, you know. Yeah, yeah. At the at the sure. time, um, I I, can't, I mean, I wish I would have known about Twitch a little bit earlier. <laughs> um, but it was growing too, and I was watching it. I mean, I remember you know the classic games done quick. I remember seeing like Carl Sagan do Yoshi's Island 100% at GDQ in mm. January 2013. Oh wow! And being like, oh, I really you know that's I want to get on that level. And, um, you know, I had done some stuff with Twin Galaxies and I was involved with gaming. I I had streamed a little bit to do some live attempts and stuff. Um, And then when Mario Maker 1 came out, that was when I was I I sat down. I was just like, okay, I'm going to I'm going to start here because like 
<laughs> I was right. There was a big kind of wave coming. Um, yeah. A lot of hype for Mario Maker 1. People could use it, you know, right. to springboard yourself maybe into a career doing this or at least get your name out there. And, uh, you know, a lot of... I, w I was involved for that first kind of wave of Mario Maker 1 uh, on Twitch. And, like, I started in January 2016 hmm. streaming full-time yeah. and um, picked up, you know, made friends a lot with people that were streaming Mario Maker and kind of managed to kind of help propel that whole community forward in the start a little bit. I mean, I didn't do that all by myself, but that was kind of, that was the atmosphere at the time. We were all picking up Mario Maker. We were all learning how to make levels. We were all discovering tech. We were all like meeting each other and, and blowing each other's minds for the first time. So it was, it was a, it was a fun era to get involved. I know ROM hacks were around before Mario Maker 1, but it, Mario Maker 1 seems like the perfect storm of everyone getting involved, the right game at the right time with the right people type of thing. It seems like it all happened at once. Had you tried any sort of level creation before Mario Maker 1? Yes. Um, I was aware of Lunar Magic, oh, cool. and I was aware of the, the Kaizo series, as well as just kind of modified Mario World in general. Right. Um, there were a couple uh, back in the day. There were there was the Kaizo series, the Takamoto Kaizo series. Mm, yeah the ass asshole mario yes. um and there was also the mario frustration if you remember that with the guy uh goombas fucking oh, goombas yeah. <laughs> do some push-ups mario there was <laughs> that it. um and there was also those musical automatic mario world levels that played themselves mm -hmm. um and right. i was aware of all of that and i actually did screw around with lunar magic a little bit when i was younger but didn't do anything about it um so i hadn't mario maker was kind of my first introduction to like making and testing your own mario levels seeing other people play your mario levels getting to build yourself a um like a playground or a sandbox right. just to practice tricks and stuff that had never been available like if you wanted yeah. to practice shell jumps or something you'd have to actually play the real game and find a wall where you could do that but here i can just build myself a practice chamber yeah and so you can just go into the hyperbolic test chamber of kaizo <laughs> skills and just you know give yourself 30 years of practice in a, in a month and that's kind of what happened right with Mario Maker in, in the original couple of months is we all just got really stupidly good. <laughs> That's uh, I'm, I'm proud of us. I'm really just Oh, like, you should be, man. It was so much oh, fun yeah, to yeah, watch. Yeah. It's 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 funny because 17, I think, is when I started watching Twitch. So it all happened. Uh, that's it, it was really great to see how quickly things got really tough but really entertaining all at the same time. It was really crazy. Yeah. It was funny because, like, a lot of us who – were looking for tech or trying to build these really hard levels. Panga was there at the time. Barb was there at the time. Actually, I met Barb on Reddit, r slash Mario Maker, <laughs> was where he and I first met and talked and started exchanging ideas. Um, and a lot of us were, a lot of us who were trying those really hard stuff and trying to make difficult tricks and tech and explore what was possible, we all sort of met each other, right? And there, you know, there were more people that were in and out back in the day that did it for a little while and left and stuff. But some of us kind of stuck around and that's, that's sort of what you're seeing now is like, you know, we've, we've been doing this for like, like four or five years now, almost getting on five years. So those of us who play these games and who are familiar with the community know kind of the differences here, but could you tell us a little bit, what exactly is a ROM hack uh, and what makes a ROM hack different than something like a homebrew or something like that? Sure. Um, so a ROM hack is, Essentially, you can take the the ROM of the game, which is what is stored on the cartridge. I'm breaking this down for for Please. layman's Yes, terms. yeah, exactly. I'm assuming you guys know this. <laughs> so the inside the cartridge on the chips and stuff is the ROM of the game. Everything that is the world of Mario World or whatever game you want is there. You can take that, you can put it on a computer, and you can play it on your computer in the similar way to how you would on a console. But now you have all that information. 
so you can using incredible trickery and knowledge that I do not possess, <laughs> you can re you can reverse engineer the code, find out what makes everything work and why it works and why it's all there and build an editor for it. And from that point, you can now open the ROM file in the editor and change eh, more or less whatever you want, whatever the editor will let you change. Um, these editors are, some of them are really good. Some of them are not so good. Some of them crash, some of them, who knows? And they're all specific for the game. So you can't, you can't use the Mario World editor to edit Yoshi's Island or Super Metroid. You have to have one for that game. But once you're done with all your changes, you make a patch file and all that is is just a set of instructions to turn somebody else's ROM into your changed game. And then, to not get sued by Nintendo, <laughs> you, <laughs> you distribute the patch file and you give it to your friends. They can apply that patch to their ROM. And if you want, then you could take that ROM that you have, put it on a flash cart that has an SD card in it, and play it on a real Nintendo. So it's our way of um, just opening up the game's modifying the you can do anything you could change the obstacles you could change the physics the colors palettes backgrounds music animation you name it anything you want that's different from a homebrew in that a homebrew is an original game that got made cool. where a rom hack is a modified version of a game that already exists so and to play and to play any rom hack you mentioned it but you'll need the original rom to do so and you'll have to patch the original rom yes okay got it yeah you you need it yeah you need a copy of the original ROM. you can you can dump it yourself with <laughs> legal dump bike. copy yeah <laughs> you can legally dump your own rom using the you know your rom dumping device or the google rom dumping <laughs> checking service i, I yeah. you know i can't specifically say where that's totally, at, but totally ask a friend <laughs> who may be on but screen. it's kind of i mean it's and i don't want to get too much no. on, but it's kind of silly that yeah, all that has it to, totally is really, it because we're a community. I mean, I get why this is a whole other topic, right? Yeah, but yeah. I get why the, especially Nintendo's perception of ROM hacks would be negative. Oh yeah, I get that. Mm -hmm. But I think we've really been trying to put a put a good foot forward as a community in the past couple of years and show that like it's way cooler than just somebody made naked Mario back in you know 2010. You know. Well, and I I completely agree with you, and I understand a company's got to protect their IP, blah blah blah. But I also yeah. understand that. You know, Nintendo hasn't gone after the Lunar Magic community per se. Like that program has been around, I think, for over a decade now, and it's community supported. Nobody's charging for it and things like that. If I'm if I'm understanding yeah. correctly, yeah. Okay. So I, I was I find I find it it's really cool that these tools exist, and and I, I as far as I my understanding, nobody charges for the tools. Like these are all things that you all have to support together as a community. Is that accurate? Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, when, so, so the million dollar question, what was your first attempt at creating something like this before, uh, Mario Maker? Um, when I, oh gosh, I don't remember, it would have been, probably would have been 2006 or 2007, maybe eight. I'm not sure the date, but I messed around with Lunar Magic a little bit yeah. and I was just working on, I had seen the Kaizo one video. I actually played through Kaizo one on ZSNES with save states and concluded at the time, no human could probably beat this. I, I don't, I don't really think that anyone, yes, this is very nice, but no one can do this actually. No way. And so I wanted to build one of mine and I, I made some silly thing or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then just kind of forgot about it and left it alone. Um, so when do you get the idea that you want to, um, what was, what would you consider your first like published, uh, uh, hack and, uh, how, take us through the process. What does that take to do something like that? 
I made my first hack was Breakfast Kaizo World. Very cool. And that was in I think early 2007. Um, at the time, honestly, at the time, everyone was still playing Mario Maker, <laughs> and I wanted to kind of get back to my roots a little bit. And I was just kind of getting, for a lot of reasons, getting burned out on the Mario Maker Twitch grind. Yeah, specifically, there's a lot that goes into that. But um, yeah, I wanted to I wanted to just make something and explore. Um, I didn't really know a lot about like how SMW Central worked or how the moderation process worked or anything. I hadn't really played a whole lot of hacks made by other people yet. I just kind of wanted to just go off on my own and build a cabin in the woods somewhere. And honestly, that's kind of what it what Breakfast Kaizo ended up being because I just wanted to explore the possibilities. And so a lot of it was just me just messing with things. I had never done this before. So what would happen if you did this and this and the other thing? What would happen if you put an enemy here and tried to set up a trick like that? And it was just a lot of like sketching, I guess. And then you just, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the, it's like, it's like you try to think of a, build a situation. I'm like, okay, I've got, I've got a green bean or I've got this enemy and I've got this object. All right. What's going to happen if I jump at it like this? What's going to happen if I run this way? What's going to, and then maybe something cool will happen. And then maybe I'll think, oh, that was neat. Okay, now how do I make the player do exactly that? And then once I figure out how to make them do that, am I asking too much? <laughs> and then wash, rinse, repeat, right? Yeah. And then you know you build up a you build up a hack. It's kind of like um, I don't know, it's like songwriting or any you know or, or anything else really. You know, you come up with some cool riffs and string them together and make a cool song. That's so cool. I you know I can't remember who I remember hearing this from, but I heard that quite often uh, level creators create something that they're able to play, like that's at their skill level. But one of the things, so I, I attended your GDQ panels, I think was it 18, 19, whenever you did some panels on ROM hacking. And one of the things I thought that was different, a really different approach that you take is you're always thinking about how the player is going to experience something, not necessarily yourself, which I thought was really interesting. And I, I'm curious, have you always approached the design like that? Or is that something that just kind of you? <laughs> I kind of have, I kind of have like one hand and the other hand. On the one hand, some of the stuff I make is specifically for me okay. is specifically to challenge my own skills or to show off for my Twitch audience and be <laughs> sure. like, Hey, I can do these cool tricks. Check right. it out. Watch, you know, watch me do this weird stuff. Um, and I have made certain things like that that are sort of just for me. Mm -hmm. And then there are some other things that I've made that are for other people. And I, I kind of need both sides of that That's because cool. sometimes I want to do one and sometimes I want to do the other. And I get it. It's it's a little bit strange to have one conflated with the other. Yeah, I'm not, you're, you're you're doing that. I'm just saying, like, no, no, totally. Perception can be that anything you make is for everybody. When there's just kind of like certain good rules of level design that just apply to whether or not I'm making it for me or whether or not I'm making it for them. Things about the way the camera is framed on the screen, yeah. or just the way like movement has to exist, the kinds of spaces you can move through, what's like feels good and what doesn't. Uh, and those rules tend to be pretty general, no matter what you're applying them to. Um, but like for other people, it's hard, man. <laughs> it's hard making stuff for other people. Other people, they break it. You right. know, you think you figured it all out and you made it all and it's all going to be okay. And you know how it's going to go and you tested it. I know this is going to be fine. And then they just break it. <laughs> you give it to them for five seconds and they, whoops, I went through a wall. Destroyed. And, Jeez. Uh, can you? So I'm curious. You mentioned that. Uh, have all? Have you had before you've gone public with any of the things that you've created? Do you always have somebody other than yourself tested? Uh, maybe not as often as I should. <laughs> um, 
again, it, it kind of comes back to like some of my stuff is for me. Right. Some of my okay. stuff is for other people. And some stuff, I would say like my hack, like Search for Salmon, yeah. my Super Mario World hack, kind of blurs that line a little bit where I was just like, I'm going to make something I think is really hard and fair. And if you get in its way, that's like <laughs> not my problem. And uh, like in that one, I think I kind of over punched a little bit. Um, and I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, don't you care, man. I was like, can you repeat the question? No, no, no. That's actually perfect. North Antara in the chat says, as a programmer, I can relate. I, and I, I think there's, there's, there's definitely, it's like development. It sounds like software development. As much as I don't work in software development, it's, you know, there's a process and you have yours. And I, 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 I always, so I, I went back and I've watched your clear videos of all of the hacks that you've created. And thankfully with your new website, it made it really easy to find a lot of these. <laughs> so thank hey. you. Uh, but <laughs> we're going to plug there at the end here for this. Uh, but, uh, you know, there is a deliberate thought process, at least from my just from viewing this stuff, because I have the only my in all and for full disclosure, the only game I've actually played that you developed is, is Return to Subcon because I'm not a casual player. These games are very hard. Like, these are challenging. I don't games. recommend the others. You're good on <laughs> Subcon. Just just play that one. I don't. don't. Stop, you're fine. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I'm glad to hear that that it's not always the same thing every time. It's it's you know it's how you're feeling and all these kind of things. One of the things that I've I, so I follow you on Twitter and I, you've been uh, surprisingly honest sometimes about how the grind can be a challenge for you. And so I can imagine that the developments can sometimes be a part of that. And uh, it, it it seems like this can the, the roller coaster isn't always going one direction. You know? Yeah, it's. You know, I, it, it, it's tough. I don't know. It's it's tough to talk about because I'm really, really grateful for the support that I have had for the for the projects that I've got. And to say otherwise or to indicate otherwise would, would not be true. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've gotten great support for the stuff that I've made, even the really incredibly hard stuff that I thought no one would ever play <laughs> or love except for me. Um, actually, just the other day, somebody became a streamer by the name of Swunch, became the first person other than myself to beat all four levels of various dragons. And that took, a, I think, about a year-ish, actually. <laughs> They'd all been cleared by somebody, like, individually, but yeah. no one person had beaten them all except for me. Um, and so, in some cases, it just takes a long time for people to warm up to my stuff a little bit. Um, or for people, I think sometimes people put my hacks kind of, like, as, like, a, they've called it, like, a goal hack. Yeah. Where they, they want to get good enough to do that because it looks cool or fun to them. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, sometimes it, it's, if I'm being honest, sometimes it, it can be a grind, like, for Twitch, uh, Twitch or content creation, especially because there is so much pain and brutality and death and punishment. <laughs> in and right. And the perception, I mean, yes, this stuff is really hard, but the perception that anybody that makes this is a masochist. Oh, you just like playing this because you like torturing yourself. No, I like being Tony Hawk and Bob Bernquist doing <laughs> double and triple backflips. I don't like falling down. I like landing the backflip. That's just what I have to do. Right. 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 And so you know, it's, it's sometimes, it's always like a crusade for me to try to at least get out from under that perception a little bit and just be able to say, look, this is art and you know, you don't like it, you don't play it, whatever, but there's space in Kaizo and, and hacking for absolutely everybody. And I, I, I treat this as a self-expressive medium and I want, that's, that's all I want, right? Like yeah, that's all I'm totally. asking for sometimes. And I don't think, I mean, the audience, you know, people tell, it's not asking too much. I don't no, feel like no, that's, no, not at all. that's too strong of an ask, but because of the insistence on brutal pain and punishment, <laughs> and there are, I mean, there's funny trolls and oh, death yeah. and you do, you kill your friends in really funny ways. Mm -hmm. That is part of, you know, that is kind of the name of the game. Um, and there's a lot of art. It doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to troll. And I think like the more Kaizo gets out, 
the more audiences are starting to understand different style. Yeah. And there's what used to be just one amorphous thing called Kaizo, where it's all just kind of trolly and mean, is branching out into item of use style and precision style and mm-hmm. all these different kinds of styles that are coming out because more people are getting involved and I think treating it like an artistic medium. So I guess that's kind of a little bit of the roller no. coaster, right? Yeah. Struggle to be struggle to be to be recognized on a level that I just want to make what I want to make. It doesn't, it's not for you unless you want it to be, or, you know, if I was trying that deliberately, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, That's pretty cool, man. And I think that's, it's interesting that the word Kaizo became this ubiquitous term. That is the, because especially as, as all of this has evolved, it's, it, that, that, that's not necessarily a fair characterization or a way to, to, to describe exactly every, like your point, everyone's different style type of thing. Yeah. So, well, I mean, and also too, it's, there, there's a historical precedent for that. Totally, we're mm-hmm. we're evolving right. as a Kaizo community. We're evolving beyond the need for that. It used, I mean, it came from I want to be the guy and all these really torturous <laughs> yeah. fan games, all these bullet hell games, asshole Mario. <laughs> you know, Mario frustration. I mean, there's there's definitely that is the historical precedent that I think like what we're seeing in Kaizo right now, especially is that we're like building more of an artistic structure on top of this historical precedent for dickish tomfoolery that already exists you know like if you look at old hacks like like kaizo one and dram one they're way more heavy on just kaizo block right. out of nowhere <laughs> troll you with something and that still persists today but we've you know we've gone away from that a mm-hmm. little bit we're exploring other other ways to kill you funny <laughs> new and roundabout ways and sometimes the best way is to just make something really hard it's, it all depends but it's only getting crazier we're doing um we're doing KLDC right now, the Kaizo level design contest on SMW Central and ROMHack races. I'm one of the judges for it, so I get to see like all like the what's what's new, state of the art stuff that's going on, and it's mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's mean, y'all. You guys are mean. That's such a that, that's you know it's it's <laughs> awesome that that part of it uh, you know it's mean in but in the loving way. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it, it's fun. It's it's we mean it. You know, we all tend to mean it with good humor. Speaking to that, what are some of like over the history of all this whole thing? What are some of your favorite like innovations that have happened in Super Mario World ROM hacking? Man, <laughs> it's well. I mean, when I when I got started, there weren't um, finding quality of life patches mm-hmm. was a big deal, and I, I'm gonna miss names because there's been all kinds of oh, contributors sure. like to to hacking before I even got here. Uh, there were all kinds of people that did stuff, but, um, you know, in the past four years, there's been an increase in like quality of life patches, things that fix certain inherent problems in the game, uh, little bugs that were left in. Essentially, I mean, we're not supposed to be able to do this at all, right? <laughs> we're not. Mario World was a game designed for mom and dad and the kids to sit down on Christmas morning and play a couple levels badly <laughs> and, you know, have a fun time. It wasn't designed for triple shell jumps and springs and at all like springs midair regrab all all yeah. yeah it wasn't made for that so as we start to put mario world into weirder context the, certain jankeries in the game become uncovered and we've come up with some quality of life fixes for that um and certain things like the like quick retry hmm. where instead of when you die instead of going back out to the map and coming all the way back in you get a menu you click retry you keep playing uh, or certain fixes for frame rule issues that occur with sprite interaction, wall clipping, uh, where you like accidentally clip into the edge of a wall and just oh I was gonna miss make the jump, but then I clipped and died. 
um, stuff like that, um, and fixes for like deep things in the mechanics. And then like that started to increase. And then people started to make like more custom. I mean, there were always custom graphics and stuff. The quality of like custom graphics and custom sprites has improved a lot. More people like composers started porting in more music. And um, now we've got um, guys like Kaizo Man and D to the fourth who are just can speak and breathe ASM and can make it's just like weird Willy Wonka, man. It's just the fabulous, most incredible creations you ever. D4 turned Super Mario World into the following. Pac-Man, Space Invaders, <laughs> a procedurally generated fall level, and awesome. Mario Maker. It's <laughs> wild. So wild. Yeah, and this has been in the past couple of years um, with Mario World. So it's kind of like the visibility for makers and creators is increasing with things like ROM hack races and the number of hacks coming out, which is incredible. And the tools that they have and the, the building blocks that they have to work with are just multiplying at a freaking alarming rate. <laughs> like we have, there's more tech, there's more new tech right now than we'll be able to use. We'll still be using tech that was made like last year and this year. We'll still be finding fresh things to do with that in five years. I guarantee it. Um, because there's just so much coming out right yeah, now so awesome. and people like have to catch up. Um, but yeah, there's just been an increase in, in visibility and, and tools to work with basically. That's so cool. Uh, I'm curious. So, you know, I, I think of something, I, I'm not sure if it, I look at Thumb Shredder and it, it does something that the vanilla Super Mario World doesn't do. You can spawn a shell that you're holding onto and you can use it to, to, to uh, shell, uh, shell jump up a wall. How, how does something like that come about? Is that something you think of and see if that can be done? Like, how, how do you go from something that doesn't exist in the game and then actually having it in the game? It's a, it's like um, I I I know you'll probably get tired of me making this. No, not I'm Mike, a little bit. Probably get tired of me making this analogy, but like rock and roll or skateboarding or something. Um, I got the idea for Thumb Shredder because I played a hack called Storks and Apes and Crocodiles by someone named Morsel, and the boss of that hack involved you fighting a big boo. When you press the R trigger, you would spawn a grab block that you could throw at him, and you needed to do all kinds of insane crap with that to <laughs> not die. And it was a huge hassle, and it was awesome. Um, and so that got me thinking. It's like, well, I, what about shells? You know. Mm -hmm. And then um, I don't know. Then I was watching uh, the documentary Free Solo with the the climber Alex Honnold. Oh yeah, so and, good. Uh, I was like, what if you're climbing up a tower and getting around some little <laughs> overhang? Like how he's going. You know, he's climbing like up like this, and then goes around and up. And so I just designed that into the level and there you go. And then, you know, and someone else saw that um, a player called TJB recently did another version of that with even harder tricks in it. And it's, and someone else will just grab something on that, you know, and then other people started doing um, their own versions of shredder where, so now that, you know, Morsel did grab blocks and I did shells. So now they're just like, well, just press R to spawn anything. <laughs> and so now people are doing saws and platforms and Yoshi's and just like, all kinds of crap now and so it just it keeps branching right, right. it just you know you it started somewhere and we saw one idea and said oh i'm gonna do my version of that oh and then someone else saw that and said oh but i could do it right right this way yeah. and it just goes and goes and goes it's pretty cool the thing the only thing that seems to limit any of this is creativity it's like how yes. how what can you think of next type of thing yes. So. yes it's fun because we're at the point and it wasn't like this it wasn't as much like yeah. this four or five years ago, but we're at the point almost where if you can dream it, we can do it. It's scary. D, uh, and I bring him up again, D to the fourth, yeah. who has just been doing massively great work for the Mario and ROM hacking community in general. Um, they have a patron. You can commission ASM for them. So if you have an idea for something, 
it's we're at that level as a community. <laughs> That's now. It's so weird, cool. isn't it? Yeah, it's but wild. If if you, I mean, think of something honestly. Yeah. Think of anything you want for Mario World. Um, Super Mario World, but it's raining Koopas. No problem. Super <laughs> Mario World, but the ground disappears when you touch it. No problem. That got made. Uh, we sat around at GDQ and just thought of these things, like Super Mario World, but every couple of frames it randomly grabs a tile and copies it, so the screen randomly propagates. Easy, no problem, done. Uh, wow. You can commission these. Like D4 has a Patreon, you can commission any dream you have can be made a reality, and it really, it really is. That's what's super exciting. I'm glad you see that. God, it's so cool. It's just imagination. I mean, I, I can't remember. I think I, I know it was in uh, Dram, uh, not Dram, uh, Poo World, Grand Poo World Two was with the Celeste walls. You know where you could be bouncing off and things. And I, I think it was in some other ROM hacks as well. But I don't know what you call that. But that was like awesome as well. Yeah, the wall jumping. Wall jumping. Uh, there you go. Like Celeste, there's a whole. Uh, there's someone named uh, Minnie Mawile who currently making. A Super Mario World Celeste crossover hack <laughs> that has all the abilities of Celeste. You can dash. Yeah. You can get. He's got the berries in there. The wall jumping. Uh, the spikes. Everything. And it's we're at that level. Yeah. It's it's, it's gotten. It's gotten extreme, like really, really extreme. I, I just think I feel like we're so fortunate to have people like that in our community who can who can do these things, who can actually make those yes. things a reality. So yes, and that that is actually a really. I'm glad you noticed that too. Yeah. It's a really important point because. And, you know, we, we see streamers out there doing, you know, right. playing these the public YouTube faces. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm there, you know, you got streamers, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. not just, not just me, but you know, I mean, just me <laughs> kidding. Of course, <laughs> no, no. Um, there's lots of us, but you see us out there playing this stuff, but sometimes you fail to recognize that there is just a huge community of people behind the scenes whose names don't get mentioned as much because they're not on camera, but without them, we would not be able to play any of this cool stuff or make stuff nearly on the level that we do so I, there's just like we always try to try to reach back into the community and thank you for recognizing them because i hear d to the fourth and kaiser man come up all the time with mario uh streamers specifically because of all the work that they've been doing and they're not the only two it's just they're the ones who seem like they're all there all the time doing yeah. this stuff yeah big shout outs to composer too oh, okay. yeah, perfect uh, musical music porting in the mario world is not easy at all <laughs> and we're super lucky that we have anybody that understands it on the face of the earth so uh, Banager <laughs> in the chat is actually kind of an interesting question. Can ROM hacks be copyrighted? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think anyone that makes them really has any desire to go that way. Uh, I, I wouldn't, I don't think so because it's, it's not ours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't think anyone and not anyone that I know would pursue that. And I don't think even if you could, I don't think there'd be many avenues to like sell that. Right. Right. What are you really going to do with that? Um, and so I would I would say no. I would also I think that one of the cool things that's happened over the past few years is I would say more than a few years now, but we have professional streamers like you're there is a way to monetize the content of it. Not, not necessarily the con the, the, the ROM itself type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's it's more it's I think if you if you know if you want to make money on right. ROM hacks that's in that's in playing and making. Right. Um, you can make ASM mm -hmm. and stuff. I know D D four makes makes ASM. Yeah, Patreon, I'm asking. I didn't even think of that. I didn't realize he has a like Patreon. That's so I gotta go support yeah. that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I mean I feel like if you're if you're coming to Super Mario World ROM hacking to try to make a ton of money, like yeah. you know, it, we're we're a passion based community. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people that do this just because we really, really enjoy it and try to spread that love out as much as we can. Well, that's one of the things that I noticed right away uh, is that the there that well, I my first game that I ever speedrun was Super Mario Brothers three. You you become aware of the Mario community 
quite quickly and how um, supportive everyone is, seems to be uh, of everyone. And I think that's one of the coolest things. That's kind of what I'd like to talk about next, if you don't mind. That's, you know, the, 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 I, I know you have, uh, you do um, stuff with ROM hack races. Let's first start, what is ROM hack races and, and how are you, how are you a part of that? Um, well, ROM hack races started uh, when actually Carl Sagan and I were talking at GDQ and uh, the conversation pretty much was just us saying, yeah, oh, exactly. Yes, I completely agree. Oh, totally. Yeah, I thought that too. And before you know it, we wanted to make a, a centralized resource. There were a lot of people playing hacks. There's a lot of people making stuff. And no, there was no, aside from SMW Central, which, which had existed, but there was no sort of Twitch side central hub or channel to do this. And so we thought, hey, we can do you know weekly races. We can make things. We can have information and resources. People can come in and ask questions. We can put all the information together. Um, and people got excited about that. It's really, it's like the Forrest Gump running scene. And we started <laughs> running and people were like, hey, I'm on to this. Like, I like this idea. And it seemed pretty natural for, for a lot of people. And yeah, we, we got a whole cool crew of volunteers and we have, a, we have a whole staff now and we're affiliated. We got our channel affiliated. We do weekly races uh, every Saturday and now every Monday. Uh, and we're adding in more content too. Uh, we just had the Akagare race uh, for 400 bucks. It was the first Kaizo speedrunning race with that big of a prize. I think it was the first cash prize for a Kaizo speedrun race on Twitch. I think so. Don't quote me on that. But 400 bucks to win it. RB Machak won it. Um, and uh, yeah, we have we have all kinds of, of special events. We did um, we did the first ever all Romhack charity marathon last last year, and we raised. Over eight thousand for it for direct relief, which is really cool. And it was all speedruns of ROM hacks, uh, no like real games, uh, mostly Mario World. But we did have some other stuff too, like Rayman and uh, Super Metroid uh, came over too. So we just tried to be the the the, the speed gaming, you know, the, you know about like <laughs> right, speed yeah. gaming channel and stuff. We want to, you know, not obviously emulate that and copy that, but kind of going for that same motif to just kind of be a be a big central hub on Twitch for. ROM hack races and tournaments and resources and fun. Uh, I'm, if anybody who listens to this or watches my channel knows I'm big on the charity stuff and I was really, uh, it was awesome to see what you guys did for direct relief. I was, uh, shameless plug i was i donated to that because i just I, the cause was so great and you guys did such a great job of it but on top of that I, one of the things i really enjoy about watching anytime i tune into the channel uh the commentary is just fantastic all the time like it's super it, it, if you don't know anything about rom hacks and what's going on you, you all do a very great job of explaining stuff that's happening because sometimes there's you know there's four different people racing or whatever and so it's yeah. i think you guys do a really good job of all that kind of stuff Thanks. Yeah, I, I do the commentary for the Saturday races, and I have uh, since the beginning. And uh, we've had some other, we have some other commentators too. Marcy August has been doing the Mystery Mondays, and Dr. No and Microwave Brother just did the Akagari race. Um, so thanks. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's, um, I like, you know, ever since I even saw GDQ for the first time, I like that level of professionalism. It's, and I think that we, we're good enough to be oh, on absolutely. that level. So try to bring it on that level. And uh, you can make the argument that some of the most popular uh, GDQ content is the Mario stuff. So I, I, well, um, <laughs> I mean, that, I, you know, that, that, that ROM hack race at SGDQ was, was pretty cool. <laughs> I, I just said, so I edit for Mitch and I got to tell you, one of the most popular videos we ever put out every year is the, is his GDQ run. So I can tell you, it's very much a big deal. The GDQ stuff is, is very well loved in the Mario stuff. So I think it's so cool. 
Uh, you guys did great. Um, if you don't mind, I so I, I will make no bones about it. I Return to Subcons one of I haven't played too many ROM Max. My first one I ever played was Return to Dinosaur Island, and it was awesome. I'm I'm not the best at Mario, so you know, <laughs> isn't it such a great ROM hack? Yeah, it's really fun, and it's and it's it reminds you of it feels like playing through Super Mario World like the first time. It just seems like a natural yeah. sequel. But Return to Subcon when you when you when you released that, uh, uh, it, it it made me think about Mario two in a way that I I had hadn't done before can you first of all tell us a little bit about what it is and how you got the idea to hack (laughs) to do a hack of mario 2 it's one of those really funny coincidences that i'm just glad i was there uh for it when it happened um someone this is how i met d to the fourth he came into chat one day and we were talking about rom hacks and stuff and they asked what game needs an editor that doesn't have an editor yet and I mean, I thought they were just making conversation, right? I thought they yeah. were just, you know, we were just making conversation. And so I'm really glad I didn't say something stupid, like <laughs> uh, Journey to Silius or something. Right. Um, because they, because D4 came back a little while later and said, oh, hey, I uh, made an editor for Mario 2. And I'm just, oh, really? <laughs> like, you did? Uh, he's like, yeah, uh, I made one. Uh, check it out if you want to. And... And yeah, and this and this is how we, you know, this is how we met D4. This is how I met D4. And yeah, he just kind of dropped in out of the shadows one day. And before you know it, I'm looking at this editor like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And it really was. It was, it's a super well-made editor. Uh, and it turns out D4 has always been doing stuff like this. And just one day we crossed paths. And so at that point I said, okay, well, I have to make a hack with this now. And then we realized, hey, okay, I have the chance to make the the first Super Mario Brothers two Kaizo hack ever, and yeah, then it was just you know no brainer, gotta make it. And we did uh, D four and I worked well. D, I worked on the game a lot, the design, and D four did a lot of fixes for the editor and uh, even fixes for the the code itself of Mario two to make the hack run like super smoothly. So it was really like I like to say it was a collaborative effort between me and D four. Um, because even though like I, I'm like the streamer and he did the code, right? Because even though I did all the levels and stuff, he did, he, he made all of that possible. Like he built the house and I decorated it basically. It, it cracks me up that basically it sounds like, you know, he had done this in his spare time. Like he had created a, a, a full editor for just for fun. Um, that is exact. <laughs> yes. That is, that's the kind of dangerously, incredibly talented. <laughs> so wild level that he's on oh yeah um, he, he he infected as you as you were creating uh, uh return to subcon is it what are some of the things you discovered that like were kind of big hooks for you or some things that stick out in your mind we that was honestly if i like to say that if i get remembered for one hack that i made it could be subcon oh. i really sub i made it for other people i made it for for everyone to enjoy and i was just really proud of the reaction that i got for it there was there was so much honestly i learned so much about mario 2 i mean i had played all the mario games i was familiar enough with mm-hmm. mario 2 to feel comfortable to build something with it um but i, I did i i learned so much man i where where to even start um do, i mean do you want me to get into the weeds about it <laughs> do you it? mind like, a little bit just because i'm i'm I, i'm such a geek about it i really love the, cool cool yeah. that's the, yeah. me too um so a couple of things um when you have a bomb you pick up a bomb you know how Mario. yeah, yeah. You, you played the game mm-hmm. um so when you pick up a bomb and it blows up, that's an eight by eight. I think it's like a four by four grid of squares that gets drawn around the bomb. In the original code for the game, it doesn't call the bottom right 
square of that grid. It just doesn't exist and doesn't have a hitbox. So D4 fixed it. So the bombs in my game, our game, are better than the bombs in real Mario 2. Um, That's awesome. If you... Th- this was fun. This this is the story for this question. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I made the game, got it all set. I spent forever on it. I fixed all the cheese, tried to think of everything I could. And I put it out and I released it. And it's, it's launch day. And Andrew G., notable speedrunning personality and legend Andrew legend. G., uh, is playing it. And he knows about a trick that I did not know. And I did not learn about this trick until he clipped out of bounds and softlocked himself in the game. So what you can do is if you, you can jump off a vine, you can get like an upward jump while you're climbing a vine, but you can crouch jump off a vine. So you do a, just a crouch lift. So if you do a crouch jump off a vine, which is suspended on a ceiling, which is one tile thick above the top of the screen, mind you, and you crouch jump off a vine and stick your head in the ceiling, you clip through and climb up. And because you now climbed a vine through a screen transition, the game sends you to whatever screen is hard-coded for that particular area. And Andrew G figured this out on day one and completely broke my game. <laughs> and is, and is just wandering around in a glitched out no man's land and just utterly broke it. So in the in this in the the update version, I made that trick where he used it. I made it go to a special room just for him. But it's like you think you have everything figured out and then no, you don't at all, really. It, it, there's actually even a category on speedrun.com that is Andrew G percent, which I love that you yep. called it that. <laughs> yep. The access. I thought I thought maybe people would like a shorter run. Yeah. So yeah, just access the Andrew G soft lock room. Oh, and fun about that room, once you're in that GG room, you cannot get out. The only way to do that is to like reset and start a new game. <laughs> oh, nice. like, not even continuing will get you. A hard stuck. reset. Wow, nice. You are permanently stuck in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great no i love it and, and it felt like I, I, when you released it it felt like everybody was playing it and while i never speed run the game it was just such an enjoyable experience to play through it it's great to hear stories like that and it's i mean how cool is it having this legend you know destroy your game like that that's gotta be yeah, pretty damn cool it was fun. <laughs> that's so cool yeah there, there were a lot of people that played it that i was really really happy really happy that they liked it uh i and i'm gonna again i'm gonna miss names but like like big john played it really liked it andrew g played it author blues played it and that's like some people that i really look up to and had always watched is kind of like well you played my game i made that's how i made friends with cool kid (laughs) i looked you know i watched cool kid forever and he he played he was the first clear awesome first clear in the world was Was he really he's an awesome smb2 runner to begin with so i i like so that day I like got up and I released the game and then I like had to go to the store or something and I came back and he was on the last level and I missed his whole playthrough. Oh, I know. He already beat it. He was that fast. It was crazy. <laughs> that is, damn, okay, that's a way to beat a game. <laughs> well, I mean, that's so cool. I, I, It's great to hear some of the stories that go along with it. Um, I, I would be remiss to ask if, have you ever, have you um, played around with the editor since then? Would you consider doing something again in SMB2? <laughs> I will 100% be making a sequel. Very cool. There, very cool. there will totally be um, be more Super Mario 2 hack content from me and D4. Um, I have two projects planned for SMB2 right now. Nice. One I've kind of been working on in my spare time. Um, this, I call it Subcon X. I might change that name. But it's like the, this is a Kaizo. <laughs> Got now it. we're going to do it. Because Gets you can real. do crazy stuff with it that I never used in Subcon. Oh, There's wow. all kinds of item abuse and tricks and weird crap you can do so here's the here's the game where it's all required yeah um and i was gonna do like four or five levels with that i also have um 
I have this D4 made, uh, and I never used it in Subcon, but he made uh, character physics editors. So you can actually just change the whole character physics now. And I made a new alternate version of Princess Peach that has weird mechanics. And I wanted to make a whole game themed around just that character out of like Super Mario 2. So that coming forward in the future and then a, a real true hack for or a sequel rather for Subcon. Uh, neither of those two would actually be the sequel. But, you just, yeah. just reminded me of a question. I don't okay. Stuff right now, right, right, totally. But, uh, though I wish I did. <laughs> uh, it, it reminded me of a question I wanted to ask about it. And did you um had you tried playing through any of the levels uh, with any of the other characters? Because in the game, if those of you aren't familiar with it, you're you're forced to p- pick uh, the only one player during each. Uh, yeah, you can't select your. Um, player. No, no, I never, I never tried that. Cool. Um, you, you like can do some of- tricks preserve characters through screens but it doesn't actually help you in the game at all (laughs) when i it's kind of like if i wanted to use each character's specific set of powers yeah absolutely so the luigi level focuses on luigi's jump and the toad level is fast and you run and pick things up and i wanted to like specifically highlight each character very cool and that decision and also couple with the fact that if i'm gonna make a multiple character level it's that much more tedious to design Mm. Because now I have to think, okay, how would you do this as Peach? Yeah. <laughs> now, how would you do it as Mario? How would you do it as Luigi? Oh, you can't beat this part as Toad. Right. And it, it's like I'm designing two or three or four levels on top of each other. And for a casual game, totally. And it might be really cool to do just a casual all-character kind of hack for Mario 2 someday, especially with the new SMB2 crowd control <laughs> that's out now. Uh, design a hack to, to, to be crowd control. Yeah, yeah. But... um. There's there's so many projects, right. so so very little time, and they all take a lot of testing and repeating and everything. How, how long did it take to uh, to create Return to Subcon? Just uh, Subcon was I think five or six months. Oh yes, <laughs> not, that, not that long. But I worked on it a lot. There like I I put a lot of focus onto it. It's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. Um, there's something you've you've been. I, I don't know if you want to say teasing, but I've been. Uh, I've noticed you posted a couple of times on your Twitter about, I don't know how to describe it, but something with your creating audio by the inputs you're entering. Uh, and have you done that on stream at all? Because I don't can't remember. I don't think I've seen it yet. Have you? Have have okay. done a little bit of that. Um, actually, shout outs to uh, North Antera, who um, is actually in chat. Yeah. So I have your chat popped out. Cool. Um, is in chat right now. Shout outs to them. They um, helped me complete or at least start the process of completing a weird dream that I've had for a long time, which is essentially I want to be playing a video game laglessly on my TV like I normally do, while at the same time producing music out of those same controller inputs. And so North built me a device that acts as a splitter, and I can plug my controller. I plug, the, I plug it into this box, the box into my PC, and into my Super Nintendo. Now... My Super Nintendo controller is a MIDI controller in Ableton. Oh, wow. And I can now sample and do loops and trigger things on and off and pretty much do anything an instrument can do. And he set it up to be able to play like a like a synthesizer so I can do tones. And all of that can be layered on top of the gameplay. So you can hear the sound of the gameplay and you can make presets that sound cool when you're not like playing the music, but you're just playing the game. Yeah. And it's like self-generating ambient music. Have and you, that's the pit. Have you played Tetris Effect? I know. Okay. I know about Tetris Effect, but I haven't played. Because this sounds like the next evolution, like like uh, amped up kind of on a whole new level. 
And kind I was curious. Of, if, yeah. This sounds incredible. <laughs> will, <laughs> will we be able to experience this at any point in the future? <laughs> yes, I, I have streamed it okay. on Twitch a little bit, yeah. and I um, I'm doing a lot of learning about Ableton. Uh, I yeah. I do not really understand it. I'm I'm learn I'm learning, <laughs> uh, Prixable Skimster, and so uh, I have a lot to learn about that. But yeah, I fully intend on doing um, live performances with it. Because here's the thing, the, the reason I, I always wanted to do this was because I can go to GDQ and I can play for a big live audience. And I used to do music and I can go down to the bar and play for a live audience, but I can't play games at the bar for a live audience. They don't want to see that. They don't care. Fine. Okay. Right. <laughs> How can I sneak it in? How can I do music and games? Uh, because I like live audiences and I just want to do more live audience stuff. So I'm working on for the summertime, uh, I'm working on a whole, like I have a singer songwriter project and I'm working on a whole, um, alternative DJ type of set where <laughs> yeah. I play games and mix my own songs and samples together, like while I'm playing them. And I would of course do that on Twitch as well. What a great mix as being somebody like you're a musician. So what a, how, what a great way to like mix a couple of uh, two different <laughs> passions into one. My whole, my whole goal in life is to just take everything I'm good at and figure <laughs> out a way to just do it all at once <laughs> for a live performance. Yeah. It's just me on stage going like this, and it, it just generates gameplay and lights and music and everything. And I, just, I, I, I honestly can't wait to see it. Uh, it sounds absolutely incredible. And just what you I want to be Sushi Dragon. <laughs> well, holy, that's a, oh my gosh, that'd be so cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Not to presume on, on self. I, one last thing I want to ask you about, because I know yeah. you just, uh, you've been playing Tetris recently, on, on NES Tetris on, on your stream, and, and you post about it. You, you have a goal that I find really interesting. Could you tell me a little bit about what your goal is in NES Tetris, and, and how, how long have you been pursuing this? Nine, 999,999 999 points exactly. Um, the Tetris max out is, I consider it to be one of the seminal high score console achievements i um I, I like high score gaming i came from uh high score you know like on twin galaxies and stuff i did a lot of that i've got a lot of high scores on console and yeah nes tetris is just singularly unique in i like to excuse me i like to say that tetris is the the video game equivalent of meditating under a cold waterfall <laughs> that you really just do it forever and eventually randomly one day become enlightened. Uh, that's kind of been my journey as well is to just seek the, the Tetris enlightenment. Um, I've been working on it for so, so very long years and years longer than I've been on Twitch. Um, and I just celebrated every little achievement along the way. I just got, um, 859,000 on my PB. And that was the first, time i've gotten an 800,000 game in a year and a half oh so now granted i haven't been practicing it the whole time yeah but it, it's 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 a super unforgiving game and it's um it's oh it, it's a personal mount everest for me right it's one of those someday i will finally read i mean other people have done it they've maxed out tetris it gets done on the regular by certain people um but you know i'm not i'm not there yet but someday it's like uh just so it's my it's my rock to push up the hill. Yeah. The um the episode before this one, we actually did a whole episode dedicated to Tetris and Enchantress of Numbers took us through eight good there's over a hundred different, you know, versions of Tetris out there. Uh and I'm curious what makes uh, uh that score so tough to achieve in NES Tetris. NES Tetris is really brutal. 
Um, you know, new versions of Tetris have a lot of quality of life kind of fixes. The way you rotate pieces is more forgiving, even at high speeds. Right. You get the different piece selection. You can see four out ahead. Uh, you can like have a piece fall, but then it's kind of rotate right. it. Bef once it you know before it locks or whatever and you've got the hold you've got all these other things that help you out and nest tetris doesn't have any of that it locks immediately i think t-spins are a two-frame trick at level 19 um and you only get to see one piece coming up you don't get to hold or swap out anything and it's just at level 19 it's so incredibly fast that maintaining control of the like extreme left and right sides of the screen is such a it's so hard. It's so unfathomably hard. It really is. Just surviving at level 19 and just playing consistently at that level at all is ridiculous, let alone working a build meta that builds up the left side correctly and drops into a right wall. Um, just maintaining the ability to get a piece to the extreme left or right is just ridiculous on top of all the decision-making and the RNG and the speed and everything. So it's just a very, like it's you know new new school tetris is probably requires more skill and planning it and those players are amazing not to step on them at no, all no. they're way better than me it's a different game but new school okay. tetris is is a very graceful downhill snowboarding adventure where you do lots <laughs> of graceful tricks and things at nes tetris is kind of just like being shot out of a cannon just like here go you know try to don't screw up or you're dead oh you screwed up oh you're dead now try again and then just repeat that ad nauseum for eight years you know <laughs> Uh, I can understand now. I think why you call it more of a meditation <laughs> than anything else. So you have to, because at exactly. some point it's got to be right. It's got to be, you're, you're just meditating on the thing. Yeah. It, it's a state of mind kind of thing yeah. for me. And I like, I, I like doing that. Like, I think like if I get, if I play Tetris, I get better at other games that aren't related to Tetris. And if I play other games, I can get better at Tetris too. It's weird how that works. I don't know. It's like something in your brain. <laughs> Well, I, I really dig it, man. It's it's been fun to watch. I know it's uh, it can't always be. I can't imagine it's easy <laughs> playing at those high Thanks. levels of Tetris. So it's it's actually really fun because it's kind of just a time to chill with stream. And I actually oh, really nice. appreciate the people on stream that like to watch that yeah, because it, you know it's yes, it looks real fast for me from like eight hundred. You know, from the start of the game to like the transition at level nineteen. I'm kind of just chilling. Right. Yeah, maybe I'll screw up a few games, but I'm, I'm sort of on autopilot, <laughs> and it's nice to just kind of chill and talk and you know, hang out with everybody. So I, I appreciate that people want to watch that because it's always, as a streamer, you're always, you're always a little bit uh, nervous about going too far away from your main game. Well, I, it's, I appreciate you doing it. It's fun to watch. And I appreciate you taking the time to, to speak with me today. Um, this, is, this is awesome. <laughs> Thank you. This is, you're awesome. No, you're way. awesome, dude. Thank you so much for doing it. You chat. <laughs> yeah, you're thanks. awesome. Thank you for having me. This was really super fun. Uh, but if people want to find your stream, find, where, can, where can they find you on the internet? I am GlitchCat7. You can go to my brand new official website. That's GlitchCat7.com. News, blogs, merch, and videos and more all together. Oh, boy, on GlitchCat7.com. <laughs> also, uh, I'm on Twitch under the same handle. I'm on Twitter and YouTube as well. Uh, I'm just GlitchCat on YouTube minus the seven. But, uh, yeah, for everything. Or if you want to check out any of my hacks uh, or any anything I've made, it's all on my website. Uh, just GlitchCat7.com. There, you know, we I, have a Discord, we're discord.gg slash party island. Oh, very cool. We got the 
we got that vanity URL. <laughs> nice. Yeah. One of the things I, uh, I I really enjoyed. I didn't I didn't realize this was out there. Was your uh, SMB two creating tor- tutorial? And I thought you did a really good job. I know you a couple times you're like, hey, is this making sense? And it, I, it's really you walk through the whole damn thing, and it was it was really helpful, even just to research uh, having our conversation today. So thanks yo, for doing yeah, all that stuff. That's, that's also on my YouTube. I've actually just uh, yo subbed me on YouTube because <laughs> I've been cleaning up my YouTube a little bit and putting out some new content on that. And we do have the um, the SMB2 edit tutorial. If you're looking for that, that's available on D to the fourth dot space. Oh, cool. And D4 has a Patreon as well where you can check out uh, their coding and stuff. ROM Hack Races is uh, just romhackraces.com. That's our community website. Uh, we're building a Kaizo community wiki and we're having more tournaments and stuff too. So you can get on our Discord or anything through just ROM Hack Races website. And if I may just put in one thing there, the one of the, you know, as you see, you know, most people who stream uh, Mario Hacks and Mario Maker, they're playing these tough ones, really high levels, troll levels. There are very simple, we talked about Return to uh, to Dinosaur Island. There are, there is a whole gamut and plethora of, of ROM hack options out there. It doesn't just have to be the toughest thing ever. And that's actually yeah. one of the things I really liked about Return to Subcom. It, it, it was something I could actually approach. Like it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily the toughest thing ever going at me right away. Yeah. And there's, there, it's really a gradient. You can go from super duper easy mm-hmm. all the way up to, you know, crazy Kaizo stuff. And there's a lot in between. And there's right. a lot of hacks that blur that line. Um, the website for that would be Super Mario World Central, smwcentral.com. And they have um, all, just everything. Vanilla <laughs> hacks. Like, if you like Return to Dinosaur Land, ton, tons of that. They, you can play cool games like that forever that don't do anything that regular Mario world wouldn't do necessarily. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you know, just to wrap the whole thing up, I, I appreciate everything you do for the community. It's uh, you know, I don't think the community would be what it is today without somebody like you in it. So thank you really uh, really very do. much for taking the time and for everything you do. Thank you so much. This is really, really cool. Uh, I hope to see you guys around again. Thanks everyone for listening and watching. If you're enjoying the podcast, subscribe, leave a review. All those things go a long way to helping out the podcast. If you'd like to continue the conversation, I'm on Twitter at LatMackie, or you can also join the LatMackie Discord, where we have a sequence break channel, we talk about guests, we have questions. It's really interactive, really fun. Please feel free to stop on by. Thanks so much. See you in the next one.